Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, everybody. Amen. Get us a get us a red songbook out. Get us a red songbook. We I think we're about ready to start this morning. <clears throat> and there's Scott. Amen, brother. Good to see you this morning. Amen. All right. Be in that trash can have fits up there all the time. <laughs> well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. It's good to be anywhere this morning, but it's sure good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let's stand up and let's, let's stretch our legs and let's turn over to number, what did I say, number 10? No, I know I was telling her, but <laughs> I told her I didn't say to y'all. But number 10, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the wave. Onward tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Wafted on the rolling tide, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Tell to sinners far and wide, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing ye islands of the sea, echo back ye ocean caves. Earth shall keep her jubilee, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing above the battle strife, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. By his death and endless life, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing it softly through the gloom, when the heart for mercy craves. Sing in triumph for the tomb, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Give the winds a mighty voice, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free, highest hills and deepest caves. This our song of victory, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Amen. Aren't you glad of that fact this morning? Praise God. I'm so glad I woke up saved this morning. Amen. I got. I, I met this man one time. His name is Brother John Bishop. I don't know if any of y'all ever heard his name before, but uh, he was a he was a uh, close ally of Brother Lester Roloff back in during his battles with the state of Texas. And Brother John Bishop was there. He was there. Uh, I know with him through some of his stands and everything, but Brother John, he he held he had a campground up in uh, North Arkansas, North North uh, West Arkansas, uh, you know, a, a church campground, and uh, he contracted he contracted uh, meningitis, and it got so bad it it totally erased his entire memory. He was like a brand new infant when he came out of that. His wife Donna. Uh, 
taught him everything again, how to do everything again. And but you know he and he, give, he was giving his testimony at a meeting I was at, and he said, you know, he said I couldn't remember anything, but I knew two things. He said I knew I was saved and I knew I was supposed to kiss a girl. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't know nothing else, but he said I knew those two things. Amen. Glory, that's important stuff, ain't it, brother? Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's good to be in church this morning. Amen. Uh, prayer request today. Prayer request. Anybody? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Your neighbor, Winona? Yes, ma'am. Um, mm. Turner? Hunter, I'm sorry. Okay. Mm, okay. Um, Ricky and Ricky and Katrina that, that came, they hadn't been in a while, but um, she just became a grandmother again, and her son's well, he's, they're not married now. I think they've split up, but whatever. But the mother of her grandbaby, uh, she's got COVID, and from what I heard, it was not good. She was she she contracted it right at the end of her pregnancy, and the baby's fine, but she is she has gone through, she's going through some life threatening stuff. So I don't know her name, but lift her up in prayer. God knows her name. <clears throat> Anything else? Anybody? Um, I'm gonna ask that you pray extremely hard for. For uh, attorneys Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood, who are representing the President of the United States, uh, from what I can tell, they seem like they might have a little bit of godliness in them. Uh, from the statements I've heard out of their mouth, there's been a lot of people that are rallying around him that are quoting scripture, and and uh, you know we're we're in a battle for our our own freedoms right here. This is it. I, I don't know, and I didn't mean to do this during the invitation. I mean during the announcement time, but I think I will. I know I know most of y'all keep up with the news best you can, but. I want you to realize something. This you've heard. Have you heard the term the Great Reset? That's the New World Order. That's all that is. You've heard. You've heard Biden say "Build Back Better." That that terminology is used in nearly every country around the world right now. They're all all the leaders are saying that. It's the New World Order. It's what it is. We have come to that point, and this this election stands in the way. And that's the only thing. And what, what the determination of this election is going to determine whether or not the uh, the lockdowns and everything, whether or not we're gonna we're gonna live in a free society or not, basically. So we, God's people, must be vigilant warriors to pray and lift up the, those who seek to to uh, stand for freedom and liberty, our rights in this country, and pray that God uh, allows us to have a little more time of grace in this nation. Uh, we know all these things have to come to pass. That's, that's just the Bible prophesies it. But, you know, wouldn't it be great if we had a little more time to do God's work? So let's just pray that God, that God just gives us grace and gives us, and gives us the victory so that we can hang on to the freedoms and liberties we hold dear. 
I just want to say that. That's, uh, it should be an urgent prayer request in your life. Anything else? Anybody else? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. We, I, we, we were just singing, and I want you to, I want you to think. I, I looked at verse 3. It said, Sing above the battle strife. By his death and endless life, sing it softly through the gloom. We're we facing some gloomy days, but we're supposed to sing salvation. We're saved through the gloom. We don't have to be down. Amen? This is our song of victory, that we're saved. Amen? But well, there's plenty out there that need to be saved. So let's pray for them, and let's pray for God to give us an opportunity to share Christ with them. All right, let's go to the Lord in word of prayer, and let's ask God to meet with us this morning. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. the great 
grave where they laid him. Tell how he liveth again. Love in that story so tender, clearer than ever I see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper. Love paid the ransom for me. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Well, glory. Amen. Turn to 313 this morning. 313. <clears throat> What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise for thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Amen. That word solace, we don't use that word hardly anymore, but it means a comfort. Amen. And he is certainly our comfort. Turn to 137. 137. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And 
Let this cup 
pass from me. Even so, not my will thine be done. Neat the old olive tree, neat the old olive tree, went the Savior alone on his knee. Not my will thine be done, cried the Father's own Son. As he prayed beneath the old olive trees. May my song never be of the love proffered me by my Lord all alone on his knees. Praise his wonderful name, he who bore all my blame, as he knelt beneath the old olive trees, beneath the old olive trees, beneath the old olive trees, went the Savior alone on his knees, not my will. Thine be done, cried the Father's own Son, as he prayed beneath the old olive tree. <coughs> Take your Bible, turn to Matthew 26 with me this morning. Matthew 26. We've not left John for good, but we've definitely left John for the moment. And I've left something else, too. Evidently, I set my computer somewhere. Jackson, would you go get it? I think I left it in the office, sir. I'd be kind of lost without it. Amen. It's got my sermon on it. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, we, we I'm, I'll just filibuster until he gets back. But anyway, we, we, we've been in John 17, and we have been with Jesus Outside the gate, as he has, as he has uh, prayed with his disciples there in the moonlight, late at night. Thank you, sir. Late at night, and uh, he's prayed for their sanctification. He's prayed for their power, and he's prayed for their glorification. And he closes that prayer, and they cross a bridge. Matter of fact, if you. If you read on beyond when where we were reading in John 17, you come to chapter 18, verse 1, which is all John says about what we're going to talk about this morning. It says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where it was a garden into which he entered, and his disciples. Now, we'll go from that, and we'll turn over to Matthew 26. And we're going to look there in verse 36. We're going to... The passage we're going to look at is from verse 36 all the way to verse 46, but I'll be honest with you, I'd be doing you a disservice and doing God a disservice if I tried to cover all those ten verses this morning. We would only get a surface view, kind of like the difference between flying over an area in a helicopter and looking at it and getting out there and crawling around the bushes. I'd rather crawl around the bushes. I'd rather find out what all is there and look at it and get, and get the meat out of it. I don't want to give you milk. I want to give you meat this morning. So 
So if you would, just, just pray for me that God will use us this morning. I want you to get your mind in a good place today because we need we need to get away from all of the troubles of life. We need to get away from all of the, the things we've got to do that are coming up and all... You know, I know people got family coming in. People got all kinds of things going on. And by the way, Wednesday night, if you don't know already, we're not going to have Wednesday night. There's too many people got too many things going too many different directions. And so we're going to, we won't be here Wednesday night, but we'll be back next Sunday morning. But uh, what was I saying? Um, I want us to throw out all the things that would distract us this morning. And let's meet with the Lord. Let's let God reveal himself to us from the scripture. Let's let's hear from him. Let's put ourselves there. I always try to do that when I read the Bible. I, I don't just try to read it like I'm reading a book or a newspaper. I try to read it like I'm reading a movie script almost. I try to put myself there at the scene. I try to look around in my mind and see what all is there and try to absorb the entire thing and, and so that I, I don't I don't have a, a slighted view. I, want, I mean, I know there's no way I can put myself literally in the Garden of Gethsemane. But I watched a lot of videos on preachers walking through it yesterday just to get, a, just to get an idea of what the, the, the landscape looked like, just to get an idea uh, of where they were at. And uh, it's amazing. So there are trees there in that garden that are over 2,000 years old. Some of those trees were more than likely there the night that Jesus prayed in that garden. It's just an amazing thing. But anyway, Matthew 26 36 through 46, we'll read all 10 verses, we'll pray, and we're only going to look at verses 36, 37, and 38 this morning. So let's read, and then we'll pray. The Bible says there, Then cometh Jesus with them unto the place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the, unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be, very, to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little farther, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That was kind of a little prophetic on Peter there, wasn't it? Then, he, I'm sorry, he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and ask God to meet with us. Father, we come before your throne. Oh, my Father, we need you. We pray for your presence. We pray that thy spirit may be poured out in our midst. We pray, Lord, for you to, Lord, amplify our, our senses. 
Lord, that we might somehow get a glimpse of your glory, that we might somehow look into the sufferings of Christ. Lord, it causes me to tremble when I think about what I'm about to try to describe because, Lord, I know I can't even come close. I know the human words would fail me and human reasoning would fail the listeners to absorb it. Lord, we're just feeble and we can't without without the Holy Ghost aiding us and helping us. There's no way we can we can even begin to understand. But Lord, I pray you'd make us sensitive to it. I pray you'd make us stop and realize that this is all for us. It's all because of us. Lord, help us to see our part in it. Lord, it may reveal guilt in our own hearts. Lord, it may... It, it may, it may break us down, but, Lord, I pray we'd look at it and we'd realize it was our sin that caused his sorrow and his grief. And Lord God, may we come to, in this week of thanksgiving, Lord, come to the point of realizing the gratitude that we ought to have for him. And, Lord, may it spill over from our hearts to others. And, Lord, as we meet together around a table this week, Lord, may we, may we be filled with the gratitude in what we have in Christ. And, Lord, I'm so thankful for our church family. I'm thankful for these who have tuned in to listen to us. And, Lord God, I pray that you just use me, pour out your spirit on me, use me for thy honor and glory. And, Lord, I'll be careful to give you the praise because it's all you. And I love you and I thank you. Forgive our sins in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. You know what the word Gethsemane means? It has a very important meaning in this. Gethsemane was a spot at the foot of the of the mount and it, and it's 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 there for a purpose. It's the Mount of Olives. I mean it's it's there. It, it's at the bottom of it and all these olive trees planted and everywhere, they've got to do something with them. It's actually a olive processing place. It's where they would bring the olives. There is an olive press there where they would, they would place the olives in a stone. It was kind of a stone uh, cut, dished out place. And there's a pole in the middle of it. And there's a stone that rolls around on there. And, and that stone has a, has a, has a uh, a pole attached to it, and that pole is attached to a donkey, and that donkey walks around and around and around in a circle, and that stone just rolling round and round and crushing those olives, and of course the oil pouring out, and and so it is. It's called Gethsemane, which means olive press, and it's it's no. I don't think it's coincidence that 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 place is called the olive press. Jesus Christ was pressed out beyond measure in that garden. I think there's no there's no coincidence there. Everything has a purpose in God's world. Everything has a purpose in God's kingdom. And, and again, it, it, he was pressed out of measure. So it's a very fitting name for the place where these things happened. Um, I also notice here in, ver, in, in verse 36 that he said to his disciples, he said, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Now, he only took with him Peter and James and John when he went to pray. He walked off into a corner of the garden by himself alone to pray. But he told the rest of the disciples, he said, he said, sit ye here. Y'all stay here, I guess by the gate maybe. But I thought, you know, that's kind of interesting. I thought about when Abraham and Isaac were to go 
to uh, up the mountain, and he told he told the uh, in Genesis twenty two five the Bible said Abraham said to his young men, "Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again unto you." Jesus didn't take them all with him. He just took again Peter, James, and John. He had prayed with all his disciples. He had just ended a prayer and again just outside the gate there, just outside the bridge. And, and and we know we've been through it. He prayed, he prayed, he poured out himself, praying for them, praying for their strength, praying for in a, an authority and saying, I want this for them, Father. You give this to them. He had demanded these things for his disciples. He has claimed these things for us, for us to not be powerless down here, for us to have his, his power on us as we go out into the world and to preach and share the uh, salvation in Christ with others. But this time, he went to pray alone. And I want to tell you something. That, that ought to tell us something that, you know, I mean, God wants us to pray with our families. I believe you ought to. I believe you ought to pray around the table. I believe, I believe we ought to pray before we eat. I, I, I believe we ought to pray before we go to bed. I believe we ought to pray at church. But that doesn't excuse us from praying by ourselves in private to God. A lot of us think, well, I got my praying in. No, you need that time alone with God. And Christ showed us that. Christ showed us that the night, the night he came out walking on the water to his disciples, he had spent hours up on the mountain praying. Christ got alone to pray. We need to get alone to pray. And again, he, and then the second thing I see here is he ordered them to sit here. He said, y'all stay put. He didn't want to be interrupted. And I say this to you, and I think you probably know this, but if you ever walk up on somebody you're trying to talk to and they're praying, hush. Don't interrupt somebody when they're talking to God. That's important. I, I, I'm thankful every time I'm in a restaurant praying and I look up and I finish praying, the waitress is waiting. I'm thankful she doesn't come up and start asking me, well, what do you want? And all this. I, listen, I'm thankful that somebody's respectful. We ought to always make sure that we're careful because that person's before the throne of God. They're in a very, very important spot. And we ought not ever think that we have a, a authority to come in and interrupt that meeting. Amen? All right. But anyway, he took, he took these three with him. And why did he take these three with him? I think, I think, well, maybe because they were the ones who witnessed his glory during the transfiguration. Uh, they'd been there. You remember Peter? He got so excited and out of his head. He said, let's just build some tents. Let's just stay right here, Lord. This is so good. He was so excited about it. But, uh, but since they were the witnesses of his transformation, his glory, he brought them to be the witnesses of his agony. Look at verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And the Bible says, and he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Now, we can just read those words and pass on by, but I want you to understand this is where Christ's passion begins. When he crossed that bridge and entered into that garden, everything began. And he knew that. When he closed that prayer with his disciples, he knew that his time with them was over. Now it was time where he was to give himself, where he was to offer himself. And so the Bible says he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Luke describes it a little bit different. He said he being in agony. Agony, it's a conflict. He wasn't in any bodily pain yet. He wasn't in bodily torment. 
Nothing had happened physically that had hurt him. But whatever he was going through, it wasn't on the outside. It was on the inside. And, and I can't read you the Greek phrase for this where it talks about sorrowful and very heavy, but I, I will tell you that the meaning of it, it means, well, it, it means to be sorrowful and in a consternation. Now, that word consternation, here's what consternation says, according to Webster's 1844 Dictionary. Astonishment. Amazement or horror that confounds the faculties and incapacitates a person for consultation and execution, excessive terror, wonder, or surprise. It, it, it lets us know that Christ went through a sorrow that, that made a man where he wasn't fit for company. What he was going through was something that we can't even understand. You and I have been sinners since the day we came into this world screaming. We don't know what it's like to be perfect. We don't know what it's like to be without any spot or stain of sin, to have never had an ill thought go through your mind. We don't know what it's like, or I should say, to never entertain an ill thought because he was in a human body, so surely the temptation of ill thoughts must have entered his mind, but he cast them down immediately because he's perfect. He couldn't have entertained sin. But he was in a human body. The Bible says he was tempted in, in, in all manner as we are but yet without sin. We don't know what it's like to have sin placed on us. <clears throat> but like I said, it, 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 it was a state of mind, it was a state of being where he, did, he didn't want, he, he, he wasn't ready to entertain anybody. He didn't want to be in, around anybody. Uh, you, you know, y'all been sick. Y'all been sick before. You know when you come down with a bad fever? You know, when you start, you start feeling the chills, and blah, blah, just shaking, blah, just getting covered up, I can't stay out. Blah, blah, blah. You know, you get like that. Y'all all been like that, all of us. We've had a fever so bad. You don't want nobody around. You just want to cover up. Everybody get away from me. Leave me alone. Let me shake. And I don't know that Christ was shaking, but what the state of mind he was in, again, it was not, it was not good. It was like he had a lead, lead weight weighing down on his spirit. Doctors use a word of a man being in a fit of ague. I don't know if y'all know that word or not, but it's just you, you, nothing's right. You can't you can't get comfortable. You can't get right. Everything is wrong. And that must have been how our Savior felt because it was in that garden that sin was placed upon him. The Bible describes some of this. Let me just share it with you. Psalm, in Psalm twenty two fourteen, he made the statement. He said, I'm poured out like water. My heart is like wax. I know some people attribute that to the cross, and it can be attributed to the cross. But I, I can tell you that all those things began in the garden. Psalm 18, 4 through 6, the Messianic Psalm talks about him. It says, the sorrow, sorrows of death, they compassed me. It was all around me. The floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me or went before me in my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God he heard my voice out of his temple my cry came before him even unto his ears Psalm 55 4 and 5 my heart is sore pained within me and the terrors of death are falling upon me fearfulness and trembling are come upon me and horror hath overwhelmed me Psalm 69 1 through 3 save me O God 
for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. Psalm 88, 3, For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. Psalm 116, verse 3, The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. I can't even begin to comprehend what our Lord was going through in that garden. Saddled with sin. So, I mean, I was going to ask the question, but I've done answered it. What's the cause of all this agony? What's the cause of all this consternation and grief? What put him in his agony? Well, first of all, before I address the sin, let me just say this. He was engaged in a battle with the powers of darkness. Luke twenty two fifty three. Jesus made this statement. He said to to the uh, to the the uh, I believe to the high priest or to the, to the scribes. He said or the Pharisees. He said, when I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no bands against no hands against me. But this is your hour, and the power of darkness. You see, Satan was doing everything he could. He was working overtime in the background, trying to put an end to Jesus Christ. He didn't realize that what he was doing was sealing his own doom. Jesus said also in John 14, 30, he said, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Oh, Satan Satan was reveling in the fact. I think Satan licked his chops when he saw Jesus taking that weight of sin upon him. I think then he said, I've got him now. I've got him now. I've got him in a vulnerable state. All the powers of darkness licked their chops and rubbed their hands together. He was in a battle. Second thing I see about why all this was, again, what I said earlier, that he's now bearing the iniquities that the Father laid upon him. These sufferings, all these sufferings he entered, every bit of it was for our sins. Every bit of what the pain that he went through, the agony he went through in his soul were for our sins. And they were all meant to be placed on him from, from the, before the beginning. It had all been lined out, and he knew that. He had accepted that. He was ready for that. But I want you to understand something. When you and I sin, because we're saved, but when we sin against God, what do we feel? guilt, right? We feel shame and guilt. Well, that's just over one sin. Now, you magnify that time all your sin at one time. You ever had one of those breakdown come apart where you start thinking about how rotten you've been your whole life and you just slobber and blubber? Hey, I have. I don't know about you, but if you hadn't, maybe you ought to. But I can tell you, I'm thankful I'm saved, but you know, just the thought of what I have been and how I have been, it, it tears me up inside. But you magnify that and you multiply that times every body on earth. You still ain't got there. Now you you multiply that times everybody on earth times everybody that's ever lived and ever will live. 
think about the horrors we hear about on a daily basis. Think about the godless blasphemers. I think I think about the I think about that guy holding that sign up that says, "If Jesus comes back, kill him again." I think about that woman with a shirt on said, "I had an abortion and I loved it." I think about I think about those those sodomites parading naked down the street in the view of children promoting their lewdness. I think about all those things. All that was heaped on Jesus. All you think the, the sex pedophile rings that's going on right now in our world. I mean the atrocities that are committed against infants. All that was heaped upon our Savior. Think about the Holocaust. All that was heaped upon our Savior. The sins of the world. All of them. Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great, Adolf Hitler, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, you name it. You find the most vile of the vile. It was piled upon our Savior, and he bore it that night. The crushing weight of that sin upon him. I can't fathom it. I can't fathom it. Psalm 40, verse 12, For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I'm not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head, therefore my heart faileth me. Christ was crushed. All of these things piled on him that he had to carry to Calvary. It's amazing. It's just testimony to our God that he was willing to do that for me and you. I'm thankful, I'm thankful with every fiber of my being that God loves us with an immeasurable love that we can't even begin to comprehend. And I don't think we stop and look often enough at what he's done for us. You know, and this is just a side note, but I was, you know, I was looking, I was looking at the scripture just on this same page my Bible's open to. And I see over here on the other page where it says it talks about the preliminary meal before the Passover. And and I see right there where Judas went out to betray him. And then right after that, they took the Lord's Supper. And I think about that passage over in 1 Corinthians, I believe it is, where he talks about he that eateth and drinketh unworthily is guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. That Judas, he didn't discern who the Lord was. And he betrayed him, and he was guilty. And I think to myself, for somebody to come and just eat the Lord's Supper and just like it's nothing to them, it's it's betrayal of Christ. Just to try to understand, again, just to try to take in what weight he had pressing down on him. But he had a clear and a full understanding of everything that was in front of him that night. He, he foresaw the denial was about to take care. I mean, the, the betrayal that was about to take place as Judas is about to walk up and give him a kiss and identify him and, and so that he can be arrested. He foresaw Peter that night around the fire with the, with, with the devil's crowd denying him, denying him and cursing, using swear words, denying him, trying to make himself seem like, no, I'm not one of his. Listen to me talk nasty. He tried his best to camouflage himself as a non-believer, but it didn't work. Jesus saw that ahead of time. He saw the murderous hatred of the Jews. He, he saw where he knew that they'd be standing out in, in front of Pilate's uh, hall screaming, Crucify him! Crucify him! He heard those chants in his mind. He knew what was coming. He knew that in a few hours 
he'd be tied to a post and he'd receive 39 stripes, save one. His flesh would be ripped off of his body that he would be spit upon. Those soldiers cleared their sinuses and they spit on our Lord. He knew that he had a crown of thorns planted and beat into his skull, down into his flesh. He knew that they would nail him to a cross. Death looked him right in the face, and it all made him sorrowful. It wasn't that Jesus didn't want to die because he came to die, but it was the circumstances involved in it all. It was the wages of sin which we had committed that were placed upon him, that put him on that cross. That was the heaviness. That was the the consternation. Verse 38. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. So he's, he's been praying. In the agony of his soul, he's been praying to the Father. And he comes back to them, to these three. And he says to them, he says, look guys, I had never felt sorrow like this before. This is greater. This is greater than I've ever experienced. He was in bad. He was in a bad way, folks. He was in a bad way that night. What was the source of this sorrow? Well, it it was, I want you to notice something here. It was his soul that was now in an agony. It wasn't his body, it was his soul. And this proves that Christ had a true human soul. I mean, he was very God, but he was very man. He was 100% God and 100% man at the same time. A human soul just like we do. And he felt this in his soul. He suffered, not just in his body, but in his soul. Now, you and I, we've sinned against our bodies, but we've also sinned against our own soul. And we, and, and both our bodies and our souls have been used in sin, and, and, and both have been wronged by sin. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes sin hurts your body. Yeah, you go, somebody goes drinking and they have a wreck, and, they, and they are, they're, they're in a terrible physical condition because of their sin. But sometimes your sin will, will drive you to the point where you lose your marriage, and then it's a sin against your soul. Or you do something that ends up destroying your children's lives or, or whatever it may be, and, and, and it's, that's a sin against soul. So, listen, all these things will pile upon Jesus. And he suffered down deep in his soul. How deep was his sorrow? Well, that's a good question to ask. He said he was exceedingly sorrowful. That's beyond sorrowful. Even unto death, he said. And there's a word here, a Greek word. It's, it's parilipos, and it means... That's that's the word using there for exceedingly sorrowful. It, it means he was just compassed about with sorrow on every hand. He couldn't find relief anywhere. He couldn't find his mind couldn't find a moment's rest from the from the weight of the sorrow. His heart couldn't find a moment's rest from the weight of the sorrow. His soul couldn't find a moment's rest from the weight 
of the sorrow. I dare say that's just a scratching of the surface of what somebody will experience in hell. Endless sorrow. Endless, endless grief. But Jesus was suffering a sorrow that was in the highest degree possible. Even under death, it was a killing sorrow. You've heard of people that, you know, they've just, they, they were so heartbroken, they just died because of it. Some, you know, I think that old country song, he stopped loving her today. He died of a broken heart. Well, there's people that die like that. They just give up on life because they've been broken so, so bad. It's a killing sorrow. And Jesus realized that, 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 that he was going through a sorrow that nobody else had ever gone through before. And the kind that no mortal could ever live through. Because he was God in the flesh, he was able to endure it. But he was ready to die. He was ready to die, saddled with all this grief. These sorrows he was going through were the sorrows of death. This sorrow, he said, I'm, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. So the duration of it was all the way to the cross. He only began to be sorrowful when he entered that garden and began to pray. But he never ceased to be sorrowful until he cried out three words. It is finished. The Bible prophesies of Christ that he's to be a man of sorrows. Isaiah 53 says he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. You know, we never read anywhere in the Scripture that Jesus ever laughed. Nowhere in there. I know somebody painted a picture one time and said, oh, it was Jesus laughing. But you never see where he laughed. He was despised. His mission was a sorrowful mission. He was rejected more than he was accepted. It's still that way. It'll only, listen, someday when we're all there around the throne, it'll all be fulfilled. But right now, right now it's still sorrowful because so many reject Christ, so many hate God, so many despise the truth. But it was over once he died because once he died, he paid the price. Once he died and, and rose again, it was all fulfilled and there was no more sorrow. He buried that sorrow. You and I don't have to carry that sorrow because he took that sorrow with him and he buried it there. He buried it, left, he left it in the grave, amen? But the last thing I want us to look at, and we don't have time to go through all this, so we're just going to stop right here. <clears throat> the last thing he says here in this verse, he says, Terry, you here and watch with me. The Lord, again, he was in a, he was in a terrible condition. And oddly enough, he, he was desperately in need of their help. He come to them, and he asked them, please, tarry with me and watch with me. He asked for them. And, he was, and why I say he was desperately in need of help? Because he went to these three guys. They were no help at all. There was nobody else around to help at that time. Oh, the angels came and they ministered to him. But he came to his disciples and he asked them to pray with him, to watch with him. 
why he knew they'd be terrible comforters. He knew they wouldn't be good comforters, but why? Because, because he would use that situation to teach us something. He was using this situation to teach us about the communion of the saints. <clears throat> Listen, I know a lot of times we look at ourselves, we evaluate ourselves, and we say, I ain't no good for anything. I'm not no good for the Lord. I can't do nothing for God. But, but he sees a value in us that we don't see in ourselves. <clears throat> When I'm down and I'm hurting, I want the company of my Christian brothers and sisters. Why? Because y'all uplift. And I hope you look at me the same way. That's, that's, Christ was showing us this, that we need to turn to one another for comfort. It's good for us to seek that comfort. It's good for us to seek assistance from our brothers and sisters in Christ when we're in agony, when we're broken down. Why? Because the Bible tells us two are better than one. In Mark thirteen thirty seven, Jesus said, And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. He told them to watch with him. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to leave you with this this morning. We are to watch for him. Amen? We're to watch for him as these days get closer and closer. We're to be looking for his coming. We can see all around us these things taking place. And there's no guarantee that we know exactly the time of the pl- or the time. We don't know the time, but we can certainly look around and discern that the, the times that we are in, and we are to watch. The Bible tells us to watch. Paul tells us to watch. We are to watch and expect it, and expect his coming. But not only that, but we're to watch with him. I mean, I believe we ought again. Like I said, we ought we ought to be looking up. We ought to be ready at all times. But we're to we're to watch with him as well. And when I say that, what I mean by that is this. We're to watch with him in the work that we're in at the moment, which is leading people to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us, he wants us looking for him to come, but he also wants us looking for him to show up in the work of the ministry. Because he promised us, he said, He said, And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the world. I want to just leave you there. We're right in the middle of this. But I want you to think about what he went through. I want you to think about what he suffered. I want you to meditate on that. I want you to think about it. Those were my sins that he was suffering for. Those are my sins that oppressed him in that garden. Those are my sins that put him in the agony of his soul. Those are my sins. Let's take accountability for it. Let's, let's, let's stop looking at everything else and being so enamored of what's going on around us. And let's take a little time and let's focus on the fact that that was our sins put on him and that how much he loved us, how much he went through for us, how much he suffered for you and I. And that ought to drive us and motivate us to say, you know what, I can sacrifice a little bit of me for Jesus. I can sacrifice a little bit of my comfort for the Lord Jesus Christ. I can sacrifice for him and do something for somebody else in his name. I can, I can sacrifice for him and share his salvation with somebody. Watch with me, he says. Watch with me. Let's don't fail him. His disciples failed him that night. And he forgave them. And he'll forgive us if we fail him. But don't fail him.
You don't have to. He's given us his spirit, live within us, to empower us. He's already prayed for us. He's already He's already given us the authority. He's given us the truth. He's told us to go forward and to preach it into all the world. And I want to close with this thought. I didn't I didn't mean to do bring this into it, but there's a scripture, and I can't even tell you where it's at. I want to say it's in First Corinthians. But it says we can do nothing for the truth, uh, nothing against the truth, but for the truth. We can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. And I want to leave you with that because there's so much going on in this world today where everything's upside down. Okay? Evil seems to be winning. It seems as though a lie is promoted ten times faster than the truth in this world we live in. But we can do nothing against the, the truth. Still, the truth. It doesn't change. People can try to oppress it and suppress it, but as the message I heard, the title of the message that I heard preached on that scripture: "Truth crushed to earth shall rise again." Truth crushed to earth shall rise again. Don't be discouraged. When we stand up and lift our voices, when we stand for truth and right, we, I, I read this just, just last night. We create a little ripple. And when others stand with us, they create a little ripple. And pretty soon these little ripples create a giant wave that takes down that which is oppressing us. Let's stand with truth. Let's stand, let's stand convinced that we have the truth. And let's proclaim it. Hell cannot. The Bible says the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. That means the darkness could not stop the light from shining. You walk into an airplane hangar at midnight in the middle of the desert with no lights around, and you strike one single solitary match. The darkness, all that darkness inside that thing can't stop that one little light. And all the darkness that came upon Jesus that night could not prevent what was coming. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Our Lord, we come before you. Lord, we need you. Lord, we are living in a dark hour. We are living in troubled times. And Father, I pray you'd encourage us in the midst of all these troubles. I pray, Lord, that we'd take some time and we'd put our we'd put our eyes upon Jesus and we would look truly at what he's done for us and Lord that it would stir us down in our souls and it would renew in us Lord a, a real a real uh, fire and desire to only be pleasing to you to put you in first place in our life to give of ourselves to you to honor you to love on you to do good nice things and 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 and, and just blessed things for you in your name and in your in your spirit, in the power of your spirit. Lord, I pray you pour out your spirit on your people. And Lord, draw us to being what you want us to be. Father, I pray you bless this invitation. Lord, bless each and every one that heard the message today, whether they be in our in our auditorium or whether they be listening to us. Father, I pray the Holy Ghost of God would draw us to decision time and make us aware of our needs. Make us aware of the emptiness in our in, in our in our lives if, if you're not filling every crack and crevice. Lord God, I just pray that you'll 
that you'll wake us up, and Lord, you'll focus us on you, and Lord, that we might that we might be filled with our spirit and might go forth into this world and make a difference for the kingdom of God. Father, I ask you to bless the invitation now. Lord, have your will and way in Jesus' name. Amen. Three eighty four. Lord, I'm coming home. It's a song sung. If God deals with you, you come and do business with him. Let's sing. 384. I've wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. The paths of sin too long I've trod. Lord, I'm coming home. Coming home. Coming home. I've wasted many precious years. Now I'm coming home. I now repent with bitter tears. Lord, I'm coming home. Coming. this with you this week meditate on that let god do a work in you let let him let him restore some things in you when we again when we meditate on the sufferings of christ it sure makes this world easier we start realizing we're not really suffering at all (laughs) we're just we're just we're just looking at possibility of suffering we're not really suffering and we need to pray that god again that god gives us grace God gives us His grace that He hears the cries of His people. I think about when 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 the angels came to Abraham and He He prayed for Sodom. He said, "Lord, you know, if it's just forty, Lord said I won't destroy it for forty. He said, Lord, don't be angry, but if it's just thirty, Lord, don't destroy it for thirty. And He said, I won't destroy it for thirty. He said, Lord, please don't be angry, but what if it's just twenty? You won't destroy it for twenty, will you?" He said, no. He said, Lord, please, just one more time. If there's just ten. Now, surely if God would spare Sodom and Gomorrah for ten, surely if enough of his people go to crying across this land, he'll spare America. We're going to have to really pray hard. I can't emphasize that enough. 
I, I'm, again, I, I don't I don't like to get political on Sunday morning, but I just want to say that that from what I what I have studied, and I've looked under every rock and behind every tree. I mean, I've been looking for information, looking for news, looking for what's really going on because the news will lie to you. Six companies on all the media, just about in the world, the majors, and they're all working together to keep to keep lies going because they all work for the people that want the new world order. So it's just a few independent news sources. But from what I understand, the battle is on. And we don't hear about it every day in major news, but the battle is on. Nothing is confirmed. No, nothing has been put into place yet. And and from what I understand, there's a lot of people that are in really, really, really bad trouble. So God God's going to have to see that through to completion. Pray that that happens. All right. Any word from anything about anything else? Anybody else? Remember, no Wednesday night, but we will be back tonight at six, and uh, we'll be back on uh, back on uh, commandments of Christ concerning your actions, and uh, we'll cover about six of them tonight. So y'all come back, and and we'll get that, and then we won't see one another for a week. So be sure to come back tonight. Anything from anybody before we dismiss? And we're not having the fellowship meal next Sunday night. Do want to remind you of that too. Or next Sunday afternoon, after church, rather. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord and prayer be dismissed. And Brother Tony, won't you dismiss us? Amen. Go get my coffee and get my other guitar. Sorry for the interruption. That's okay. We got a kid that's afraid of the toilet. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I didn't even hear no interruption. Uh, he said we were loud. I, I, just, sure, too. I didn't interrupt. He didn't interrupt me. Well, he did. We all need to hear his deal. It's all right. That's all right. God bless you. Thank you. Appreciate you, sister. I'll have you know I brought up temptation today. Did you? Oh, yeah. You tempted to not come? Oh, oh yeah. I brought it up. You were calling out uh, uh, numbers for hymns. Uh-huh. 